passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See you later. Welcome, everybody, to MCU Later. We are seeing you later. It's been, uh, I would say, a few weeks. Almost feels like it's a month since we've uh, done one of these episodes. And I'm so happy to be joined after all this time. WH Park, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's going on, Way? It's been a, It's actually been a month. It has, right? Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. That that seems like it. I mean, you know, the the flow of time. Uh, sometimes you know, it could feel like a, an hour. Sometimes it could feel like um, a, a year, right? It can feel like you know an analog clock just clicking away and away and away. But you know, like I I can understand maybe the the idea of time feeling different for you. We're still in this pandemic, so time is really weird, I feel. But also, I, I don't have to watch, like, stupid things on Monday nights where, like, fucking dolls are turning off TVs and shit and making grown mar- mixed martial arts, you know, fighters seem like complete idiots. So that that's okay for me, so I don't really have to deal with that stuff. So maybe time flows differently for me than it does for you. <laughs> Well, we are here, you know, there will be plenty of talk of, of uh, uh, time variance and, uh, you know, multiverses and splintering timelines. And, you know, if there's any indication that we might be in a splinter timeline, I think it is the current course of the creative direction of Monday Night Raw. And somehow we are in perhaps one of the worst timelines where we have the, the, uh, the Shayna Baszler being killed by a doll on Monday. But you ever, uh, you ever see that episode of Community where they go through multiple timelines and, and like, possibilities and like this is the worst timeline they they come to that conclusion it's a great episode i imagine the splintering of this particular timeline must have taken place somewhere like i either around the montreal screw job or it could have been like in the 80s like it, like if only cindy lopper did not agree to like you know work with lou albano for the for the, for the her music video none of this would have happened I think. I, I think i think it's all uh ghetto's fault to be honest with you like most most things in wrestling these days Ooh. Uh, we are here, of course, to talk about Loki. It is the return of the MCU series on Disney+. And um, I have really barely... I've exchanged maybe a text message or, or, or two with UWH about it, but I have not really been keeping up with you know your level of anticipation for the show, really like your prior existing knowledge of maybe some of the characters uh, in here. So, you know, maybe we should dive right into that. Like, what were your expectations heading into this? I thought this was probably the most interesting from a character point of view, because, you know, for the longest time, you know, Loki was like kind of the central, the the central villain of the MCU before, you know, Thanos came along. And so he's like introduced in the first Thor movie. He, he's kind of the main antagonist in, in the first Avengers movie. And then he kind of just, you know, keeps on appearing in of, of course, all the Thor films, but he appears in you know, Infinity War and not so much in Endgame, but that I mean that's our jumping off point for the series. It's like what happens to him in, in Endgame. But I find Loki to be one of the most fascinating Marvel characters from the comics and in the MCU um, because I like this idea of a redemption arc for for Loki because he's you know in Norse mythology he's the god of mischief and in a lot of cases he's kind of like a god of evil as well he, he gets up to a lot of terrible things in in the Norse mythology <laughs> if you ever read that stuff um but in the comics he's like you know Thor's main antagonist his main bad guy because and it's interesting because they're because they're like adopted brothers and that whole you know idea plays out there's a great 
there was a great series called Journey to Mystery that was a spinoff from Thor, and, and it, it featured kid Loki, which was like re- Loki reborn as a child. And it, this this whole comic series, like it was like a, a year, year and a half run, was just Loki as a child trying to redeem himself and not try to go down the path that would lead him to become an evil adult again. It's really fascinating. So I'm really excited that this these ideas are going to be explored in this television show. So for me, I mean, I have to say when I saw the roster of Disney Plus shows announced, I, I can't really say I was clamoring for, you know, a Loki solo show because I feel like we've already seen so much of Loki throughout the, the, the TV shows. He is not a character like the Scarlet Witch or, you know, even Falcon, who I feel like have been relatively underserved in, ter- in terms of character develop- development. We've had a lot from Loki. Nonetheless... You know, at the heart of this thing is arguably the best. Well, it's debatable now, but certainly like towards the first five, you know, first half of the MCU, there was zero question about which the best villain uh, the MCU has produced was. From the moment he appeared in, you know, Thor, number one, um, he was just Tom Hiddleston as Loki was completely magnetic, arguably the best person of that film Um, And they really lucked out that, you know, the original Avengers story included Loki as the main antagonist because you couldn't have asked for, you know, more of a home run in terms of casting and in terms of just magnetic lead villain. So that alone, I think maybe the more I thought about it, the more I was interested. But I had no idea really that like they would take that character into this direction, which, you know, for many people or that, that are aware of like some of the upcoming titles that are coming out phase four is really going to be based around a lot of stories about the multiverse. We've already had that in the, uh, of course, um, Scarlet uh, vision, Wonder vision, but you know, that is set to continue in the next Spider-Man. Of course, it's set to continue, maybe even culminate in Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But this is going to be a series that is going to heavily, you know, talk about the the the, the rules of time travel in the MCU and the concept of, of multiverses. So, um, WH, what can you tell me about the main institution that we are introduced here in episode number, number one, uh, the TVA, the Time Variance Authority? The Time Variance Authority was introduced in an episode of an issue of Thor written by Walt Simonson. So he's the creator of the Time Variance Authority. And then when Walt Simonson jumped over to take over the writing and art art duties of the Fantastic Four, he involved the Fantastic Four in a, in a time travel story that that brought in the Time Variance Authority. And like in, in the first episode of Loki, we see like kind of they have enforcers, um, like police officers that if you know like do their will basically so these are in the comics they're called justices so the main you know time variance authority cop is called justice peace then we meet like justice liberty justice truth and other characters in in, like various appearances of the time variance authority throughout um, throughout the comics so actually this whole aspect of like loki working with the time variance authority which was a creation of walt simonson who is actually one of the most popular and most famous thor writer artists in that character's history was really cool to me because obviously you know walt simonson did a lot of stuff with with loki in that run as well so i thought oh it's the two worlds of walt simonson colliding in the mcu that's awesome um but what i like about the time variance authority is that they they you know they kind of try to streamline the, the multiverse of the Marvel universe, which isn't as crazy as like the multiverse of the DC comics universe. That that get, that thing gets really, really crazy. We always usually just focus on Earth 616, which is the main Marvel timeline that uh, the MCU kind of kind of represents as well in live action. Um, one thing that like I really liked about um, the depiction of the Time Variance Authority in the show was was the casting of of Owen Wilson as Agent Mobius, which is a character that comes from the comics, and Agent Mobius is is an homage, a tribute to you know very famous uh, Marvel editor who passed away by the name of Mark Grunewald, who was the kind of continuity cop of of, of Marvel universe uh, in the eighties. And so, like, if a writer said submitted a script and said this is going to happen with Spider Man and the Vulture and Doctor Octopus and Doctor Doom as well, Mark Grunewald put his foot down and says that doesn't make any sense because of what happened in 1977. So you got to change that script. Okay. It makes no sense. For what's, you want, what you want to do in amazing Spider-Man 21, 213, 
doesn't jive with what happened with this character in Daredevil 44. <laughs> oh, shit, okay, I got to fix that. So that's really cool that, you know, like kind of Mark Grunewald is being brought to life, life in live action by, you know, Owen Wilson, who's kind of like, I think, doing a good, like, you know, homage to, to Mark Grunewald as, as best as he can, you know, without well, being parody. I mean, I think Owen Wilson can't do much besides be a great Owen Wilson, which is more than enough for me. And if I don't know what, what Mark Grunewald's personality was like in real life, but if, if it was anything like Owen Wilson's, I guess, I guess this what you would is what you would call a great homage. Um, the idea of somebody having the role of a continuity cop in any sort of like fan medium is I think um, perhaps a dream job for many people. And if only WWE had their own continuity cop, I think um, I think the, the world would be, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't be in such a, a splintered dark timeline. But, but you, um, you have it doesn't matter because like the ultimate continuity destroyer is Vincent K. McMahon. Uh, you know, he's he's basically the um, I'm trying to think of a, a good, what's a good Marvel. Oh, he's, a, he, he's the variant creator. Like he's the guy who's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what he is, is, what is it? he's Dr. Doom. He's essentially Dr. Doom without being as smart as Dr. Doom. That's that's what Vince McMahon is. Dr. Doom. OK, um, but, you know, what you just described, you know, the idea that somebody essentially like, OK, this is a, a you know, not not meant to like uh, uh, be any sort of like slight or negative thing, but I'm you know when you think of somebody who nitpicks continuity, I mean to the to the to the tiniest detail, a, a job that I think is extremely important and that I respect as a fan, you would perhaps you know some would describe that person as like the nerdiest of the nerds, and I mean that with with complete love, you know, and and, and admiration. And but you know as a concept that seems to be exactly what this TVA is they are people that are there to call out and to destroy anything that um, seems to you know fragment from the proper continuity the prime continuity of what has been established in the mcu and uh, as a concept that that is uh, wildly intriguing it's it's this idea that they work for these this this trio of entities called the timekeepers that we we're also introduced in a, in a wonderful like cartoon uh, voiced over by Tara Strong, who's a great, great uh, voice actress. Who's really famous for, for doing the voice of Harley Quinn in, in the DC animated uh, projects. Um, I, I love the fact that the timekeepers in the comics were created by Mark Grunewald. And then, you know, the time variance authority was then, you know, created to be the kind of like the um, enforcers of their will. As, as a nod to, you know, Mark Grunewald. So like this, like Mark Grunewald's like uh, influence on this show is very, very strong. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in this episode, of course, uh, we're assuming that you've all seen it, but uh, basically the, the gist of it is just to refresh everybody. Uh, Loki is, this is a version of Loki that splintered off of 2012's Avengers. If you remember the events from Avengers Endgame, where in attempting to retake the test test rack from um, the events of 2012 loki the whole project goes awry and loki somehow escapes it and uh this is the loki that we see so we are watching a loki that is still relatively fresh in his um most evil ways before his character is at all redeemed from the events of thor the dark world or thor ragnarok or ultimately avengers infinity war so we're dealing with a loki that is still you know very villainous so he is directly lifted from that scene into essentially this tva realm which we don't know exactly what where it exists what timeline it exists it seems to be completely separate from anything that that has been established currently in the mcu and so we follow the episode as loki is put on trial for what is called a crime against the continuity well how do you feel like the tva in particular maybe that little video voiced by by tara strong explain the concept of like the splintering universes to you wh how do you think it worked with like what's already been established with you know for specifically i'm thinking about like the ancient ones uh speech to bruce banner from from uh avengers um endgame like how do you think it all tied into did did, did it make sense to you and, and do you think it was you know clear enough pre uh, in, in presentation 
I think so. I think the beauty of it was its simplicity, that it's designed as kind of like this old style cartoon in, you know, in a kind of an animation style of like that would be more familiar from things from the late 60s or early 70s. And kind of like like one of those things you would watch in school, like a, like a kind of an inf- infomercial, as it were, for like, you know, like don't don't touch those wires that are on the ground. They'll electrocute you or don't do drugs when you're you know at all because they'll fry your brain that's what it came across as and it's like it's designed to be simple and give you the the basic gist of what's going on so i thought the way it was written and presented was very very clear like this is the premise of the show this is the premise of the time variance authority and this is what loki is going to be doing in you know the next what is it like five episodes are left right in this show and i was like really impressed with it i like the whole presentation of the tva i i like the fact that it feels like you know it's very analog it's not digital at all it's it's looks like it's it's an anachronism of the 70s of an office from the 70s or something like that i like because i think it has a timeless quality because of that yeah, definitely. Uh, I find the stylistic choices of the way, you know, how do you how do you present something that is supposed to exist in no time period while existing in all time periods at once? I mean, it might as well be everything and every everything at once and, and, and nothing at once, I suppose. So they went with like a weird kind of like 70s type of look, which makes no sense, but also makes sense. There were other like neat little anachronisms throughout um and that would include i think maybe most uh interesting is the can of soda that owen wilson's character continually drinks this was identified by very keen viewers as a can of josta josta wh are you familiar with the 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 beverage? no i had to look it up and i thought it was kind of funny that it's like this continued drink from i think the 1990s yeah, this was the Pe- Pepsi's energy drink from the 90s, which was only available for a few years. And of course, I suppose it makes sense in this case, because if you're somebody who's jumping through time, well, you probably have access to any sort of beverage from released from any sort of time period. And so somehow Mobius ended up uh, probably gather- getting a case of Joe stuff from the 90s. And he seemed to really like it here. Um it's just a really weird, funny world that, you know, we're immediately introduced to. And, you know, the layers continue to peel back as Loki. Again, we are dealing with a Loki that is still just completely power hungry and believes he himself to be, you know, worthy of the the greatest throne in the universe, complete domination. So he is brought into this uh, place where he understands nothing where, you know, his belief to to the keys to that domination being the Infinity Stones, he slowly realizes are completely powerless. And I think seeing that character come to that realization and seeing the performance of Tom Hiddleston as go, going from this guy from, you know, Avengers 1 in 2012, I would say a relatively generic, you know, at that point, villain who's just completely power hungry to somebody who just completely has to fall to submission in realization that wow like not only am i not a god here i am completely powerless and there's an entire world that i know nothing about um i thought that unraveled itself really well i think it's a nice play on the title of this episode glorious purpose which is like his saying like you know he talks about his glorious purpose, like in his appearance in, in the Avengers to all those people like in Germany. And then it's just, it's a recurring thing. I'm, you know, I'm, well, I forget what the, what the exact wording is. It's like, I'm imbued with glorious purpose. I'm, you know, like, like it's his destiny, but he feels he, he realizes his destiny is to die at the hands of Thanos because he watches his life unfold on a piece of film, which is another great anachronism that, you know, these really super powerful people use film to like, you know, document someone's mm-hmm. life, which I thought was a great touch as well. Um, I think Hiddleston is, is such an, a great actor. Like I I've loved his work in other projects outside of the MCU. Um, I just think he's one of those really great British actors. That's so British but can do anything like play any kind of character um, that I was really excited. I think one of the things I was really, really excited about for the show was to see more Tom Hiddleston because I'm such a fan of him as an actor, especially in this role. And it's, it's great to see that he, 
he embraces being Loki. He doesn't feel like I don't think he feels like he's he's like stuck playing this character forever because he's able to do other things because he is such a talented actor that when he's invited to come back and if I guess if the if the scripts are strong that he's like yeah I'll be Loki again no problem. I mean he he seems to be having a I would think he would he would absolutely love playing this character because I just feel like the performance speaks for itself, you know? At no point do you think this particular actor is half-assing any moment he has on screen. And this series, I think, is complete proof of that. Um, it takes complete advantage of his incredible range in this episode alone, you know, going, again, from being a 2012 version of himself, just completely power-hungry, to somebody who has, uh, you know, has to watch the future unfold as he witnesses the death of his own mother that he caused himself, the death of his father, and then finally his own death. That scene, as he's watching that videotape, was, I would say, you know, it's definitely the emotional peak of this episode because, again, it's like it's like him being visited by his Christmas spirits, you know? He sees all of his sins unfold, and he sees how the rest of his life plays out. What I absolutely loved about it was the camera largely just completely stays locked on Hiddleston's face throughout this entire thing. And you can see the scope of his reactions as he goes through these various moments and his reactions are just completely magnificent. Tells you exactly what's going on in his mind, you know, like exactly what you would, you know, how would any of us react if we got to witness in footage, our own deaths and the deaths of our loved one, loved ones in the future. Um, that was it was actually quite powerful and not something I really expected in like what really started off as a bit of a comedic sci-fi type of thing. I I think the way the, the episode was structured as far as like Loki's arc goes, first of all, so we see his escape using the Tesseract from from um, Endgame and then he he drops out of the out of the sky into the the Moby Desert, right? Well, mm-hmm. And and then it's and the way the Gobi Desert the Gobi Desert I've got Mobius on my mind uh, the Gobi Desert and then the way that scene is shot is very similar to like uh, how we see you know uh, Tony Stark in the first Iron Man film after he escapes you know from his captors in the cave and then he he crash lands the Iron Man armor in the desert that's that that scene those scenes are very very similar to one another and then the whole process where he's kind of stripped and like going to be put in like his his prisoner like um clothes is very similar to what happens to thor and thor ragnarok when he's get get the haircut and and being presented to the to the arena like uh, for the pleasure of the, the grand master so i thought just running those parallels with with tony stark with with thor his his uh adopted brother was like ah okay so this is where these are we're looking at a re- redemption arc because that's just, iron man one is a redemption arc for tony stark Thor Ragnarok is kind of a redemption arc for for Thor. And so like this is these are clearly signaling this is you know Loki's mm-hmm. redemption arc and then we get to the scene where he watches his own death and kind of really realize by himself like he 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 voices what what Mobius wants him to say is that I'm this is I don't enjoy hurting people. I just do these things because like I this is what I'm supposed to be doing because this is like my fate, you know. And then uh, but he does, he's not, and he thinks he's a villain, but then Mobius says, you're not a villain, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, you know, those specific moments, of course, are, I mean, what in wrestling we call the, the, the baby face turns. They are, you know, the, the, the moments where um, the, the villain shows um, a level of heroism or at least a submission within them that uh, leads to heroic acts. And this, is really interesting because we are going to be seeing a very different Loki progressing throughout the series. One who is aware of his fate and um, is completely honest with himself at the end here, where he says he admits to basically using fear and intimidation because it's what the weak do to control people. So he is, uh, he's very much aware of his uh, ways, uh, bullying ways. And you would expect, you know, will somehow, um, overcome those urges um but of course this being loki inevitably i'm sure things will turn uh, back to miss miss mischievousness uh mischief yeah. mischief i mean um but the the end of this episode and we'll talk a bit more about the, some of the details but just to you know talk about overall plot itself the end of this episode has owen wilson trying to convince loki to join him on his quest to stop this mysterious killer that has been killing 
uh, a number of the TVA crews throughout various timelines. And by the way, they're called Minutemen here, the TVA agents or, or the TVA troops here. They're called um, Minutemen, not not like the Watchmen, but uh, different types only, of Minutemen. If only they were like the Watchmen. Well, you know, if they're jumping universes, I, I do think um, contra- contracts and a lot of that will probably prevent that one from happening. But yes. uh, but we are told by Owen Wilson that Loki he needs Loki's help to go on the hunt for his suspect that is doing all of this killing, Loki. So we have two Lokis potentially appearing in this universe, uh, or at least in this series. Any predictions about what this other Loki or who this other Loki might be? It's Del Rusk, obviously. The of Red course. Skull. It's the Red Skull, obviously. Is it, is it Del Rusk or is it Mephisto or is it Magneto? So, you know, I think it's kind of funny is like, if this show, I think all these shows are kind of done like concurrently. I think this, you know, like, well, uh, it's not Mephisto. Then the the writer, no. the director has confirmed that because um, <laughs> it was just a coincidence. Like, the, and this was all, like you said, uh, this was all pretty much produced at the same time as WandaVision. So it's not Mephisto. Yeah. So I mean, the the whole idea where the in France, you know, where the child says, like, when Owen Wilson asked the child in France, who 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 did this? He points to the the portrait of the devil. <laughs> I just started laughing. I was like, oh, if only this was, you know, this came, this was made way after WandaVision appeared. Like, they, they wanted to call it, let's just throw that line in. Let's make people think it's Mephisto. Obviously, I don't think it's Mephisto. I don't think Mephisto exists as such in the MCU. But one thing I thought was funny was like, when you see the silhouette of this variant that they're hunting, that they want to recruit our Loki to hunt, that, that, you know, Owen Wilson says is a variant of him. So it's another variant of him because the one we are seeing right now. Our hero is a variant of what happens, of what's supposed to happen. But he's just the way he's dressed, the silhouette, the hood, the cape is very similar to what the Red Skull wears on Boromir in, in Infinity War and in Endgame. So I just thought that was funny. So I sent you pictures of that saying. But is that not just the default look, you know, guy in a hood? Like, is that not just the default look you give anybody, any mysterious figure in any TV show? I guess, but you know what? You you really went too far with your response saying <laughs> when you showed me a picture of Luke Skywalker from the Mandalorian, I'm like, dude, you do not cross you do not cross franchise dude. streams at all, okay? That's just, just the wrong thing. Well, first of all, it's the multiverse, okay? Anything can happen. And secondly, yeah, exactly. Like in the Star Wars, like you know, Obi-Wan, like anybody you put in a hood is supposed to be like it could be anybody, WH. You know, it's Vince. Vince McMahon. It's Vince McMahon. It's the higher oh power. Oh god. That's who it is. But I'm saying, again, if it's the Red Skull, if it's Del Rusk, victory lap, <laughs> on your left, all day, every day. You're just going to be calling Del Rusk in every ep- project. Like Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Del Rusk is going to have something to do with it. We see some hooded character. Could be him. I'm just all I'm saying. Well, um, we shall see, WH. But, um, you know, some of the other uh, notables maybe throughout this. I really loved the whole D.V. Cooper um gag and i'm somebody i i did you know who db cooper was are you familiar with the story yeah yeah for sure i had no idea so i had to pause it and read it up and the idea that they somehow worked in this mystery of uh this man from the 70s who hijacked a plane and somehow disappeared presumed dead but not confirmed um somehow they they weaving that into like because here's the thing like they tried to Basically, like in Owen Wilson's interrogation, tried to like call Loki out for all of his sins of the past. And unfortunately, with this version of Loki, the only footage you really have to use is in uh, Avengers number one, and I guess a bit of uh, you know Thor number one, which they didn't really go too much into. So they, ha- in order to like, you know, this Loki is supposed to be like a thousand years old, and so to call him out for like all of his sins of the past, they had to make some up. And how can you make something up? Um, for, you know, that would mean anything to anybody. So they used an existing story and they basically, you know, it's like when they, they gave Magneto credit for the, <laughs> the JFK, uh, uh murder, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Vaguely. Um, yes. But yeah. Uh, or like, did he save him or something? No, he, he, they explained that he was trying to save <laughs> JFK because JFK I, was I can't a mutant. remember. I can't remember now. This is this is all from first class. Uh, it was uh, no, it was either from 
yeah, it might have been or Days of Future Past, one of the one of the two. Anyway, so I thought it was a brilliant way of like tying in some real history to give that character like a depth of story, um, and it was just fun, a fun little scene. I, I wonder if this is going to be in every episode where it's like, oh, that mystery that is completely unexplainable, that was Loki. <laughs> I, you know, it, it would be a great way to teach people like me a, a bit of, uh, about history. What did you think about the blue gum, kablooey? Did that mean anything to you? Not at all. No, I just thought it was a nice, like, oh, here's an anachronism. It's some it, this kid in like, I forget what 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 time period he's in. He's like in the 17th century or or the 16th century in France, and he's eating like bubble gum. Who gave you that? Oh, the devil. <laughs> you know, low key or you know the red skull could be we'll see who it actually is i i here's the thing i don't know if it's actually a variant of loki i think it would be interesting as part of his redemption story if he faces a really super evil version of himself and that would like kind of you know fully complete his his bay face turn by defeating the super heel version of himself that would be interesting um you know we are going to maybe get into some discussion about like um I don't want to talk about any sort of like confirmed leaks or anything like that, but like I do want to talk about speculation. I do want to talk about rumors, and there has been some rumor that a female Loki has been cast. Uh, Lady Loki is a character from the comics, so this could be possibly a female version of Loki that's running out there. And uh, another thing that that I guess has been somewhat confirmed is. Um, that if you see, um, I guess, a close-up of, like, Loki's uh, document somewhere in the show, it confirms that Loki's gender is fluid, which I believe is carried on from the comics, but also, I mean, the man is a shapeshifter, so he could be, he could take the form of anybody. So, we shall see if that unfolds, but what, what were any other, like, you know, main, uh, things you wanted to point out from the episode, WH? Um... Back to like the kind of aesthetics of the TVA when there's that scene where they're where Loki and Mobius are walking kind of like in the hallway to go from when I think from Loki's like holding cell to the place where he's going to get interrogated and show his life film. There's a point where they just stop and Loki just looks at the, the TVA like the, the, the their whatever dimension or world that they exist on. And he's just like odd. I loved how it's designed to look like a sci fi like paperback cover from like the 1950s or 60s or 70s it's just like so timeless i just thought this i gotta find out who did this matte painting because that's why i think it's or digital painting whatever it is i i got i hope it's a matte painting that would be awesome but i just love the feel of that and i just think it just adds to this like great aesthetic production design that that the tva kind of like is trying to go for and i think it's really like hitting all cylinders with um other things i really liked about this episode i, I don't like there's so much to unpack honestly i was watching several videos about it on youtube and i thought a lot of them were good the, the idea of lady loki is actually really interesting because what happened in what happened in the comics was like he was reincarnated all the gods all the asgardian guards went through ragnarok and then they were reincarnated and, and like Thor had to go around and like kind of find them in their like the reborn forms. And what happened was that Loki, would, the way he was reborn was he took over the, the, the form of Sif, Lady Sif. He took over her body. So he was brought back using her body as a female. That was really, you know, like kind of the conflict for Thor because that, you know, Sif is one of his romantic interests in the comics. Like, oh, my greatest enemy, my my evil you know, foster brothers in the body of a woman I loved. So we'll see if, if maybe the, the actress who played, you know, Sif is going to be Lady Loki. That would be very interesting. Um, uh, one of the scenes I really loved was when Loki was attempting to f- grab the Tesseract and inside the drawer was a bunch of Infinity Stones. And I just felt like that was such a great way of telling all of us in the audience that we were completely done with the Infinity Saga because there are simply far bigger problems in this world. Powers that, you know, exceed beyond what, you know, is being trivialized now as paperweights. Like objects that we've spent 10 years with these movies chasing after, uh, you know, causing mass destruction. They are being presented here as mere paperweights. So uh, being told that, hey, there's a... Far more interesting, maybe far far bigger uh, 
you know, problems ahead. Um, another thing that I, I, I wanted to ask you about WH was the idea that, you know, in the video itself, talking about branching timelines, um, the reason why they the TVA wants to stop all of these splintering timelines is because there is a fear of some sort of war between the timelines that uh, I guess at once existed and thus the TVA was established. Um, do you think this is a direct reference to secret wars? I, I think so. So the idea is that uh, a war between the multiverses did happen and they, they're trying to prevent that from happening again. But in the comics, so what the timekeepers really want to do is, is maintain a timeline that ensures that they're created because they're created in the future and then they have the ability to, to go back in time. So they're creating the future, but they're created because of certain circumstances happening in, the, in a timeline that they must ensure all these events happen. Nothing, you know, no variance happen from that because then it's going to create this big problem. So it could, that could also be a false flag and it could be just like the timekeepers are, hey, we need to make sure this Loki doesn't exist and these other variants don't exist because that will screw up the timeline that creates us because maybe they only exist in one timeline. They're not necessarily in a Nexus character that exists in different timelines as themselves, right? There's no variance of them. It's just like like the Scarlet Witch is supposed to be a Nexus character that exists in different multiverses as, as like a singular version of herself, right? So maybe that's the kind of thing that we're going to see here at the end of this series. Who knows? But Secret Wars, for people who don't know, was like a, a, a miniseries that, you know, basically what happened was that the ultimate comics line that created like the Sam Jackson version of, of Nick Fury and like, kind of like this more kind of updated version of the Marvel characters and the, the traditional Marvel universe, the 616 universe collided in secret wars. And like, basically what happened was that they emerged out of that. So like you have now Miles Morales, who was an ultimate universe character became part of the regular Marvel universe character, you know, Marvel universe. And then we could have, you know, Miles Morales, Spider-Man comics in, the regular, you know, Marvel continuity. So I, I don't know, like we have necessarily that problem here, unless they want to say, you know, that Sony universe stuff, we're going to merge it. We're going to have a war with Sony. And then we're just going to, we already won the war with Fox. So we're now going to have a war with Sony, you know, and then merge everything into the Disney Marvel MCU, like cinematic, you know, live action universe. So I, I so yeah, like Secret Wars in the comics was like created, and we're talking about the second Secret Wars, like the one that took place um like just maybe a few years ago, not the original one from the eighties. The eighties, yeah, not not yeah. the one with the Beyonder now. No, but like that Secret, I mean, these events are done by comic book companies to basically clean up all these different types of like confusing you know timelines and also like systems that they have, so that they can put all their most popular characters into one timeline one universe so that they can all interact with each other and i actually do feel like we are in the same position right now in the mcu where there's just so many different properties lying around so many contractual splinterings that are going on uh like we know we're getting another spider-man but who knows if we're going to get another one after that with with um what's what's that kid's name tom um tom holland tom holland yeah um, so there's that, that's a potential big mess with like, you know, Sony wanting to fold Venom and fold all, all that other, other stuff in. You have the X-Men and the Fantastic Four who, you know, even though Marvel has them, I mean, the X-Men are not just, it's not just one group of characters. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of characters that have so much of their history steeped in the, like, it's, it's going to be really tough to say mutants are just existing, because like mutants can't just suddenly appear because you have you know characters that you'd be missing out on like apocalypse perhaps even like a magneto or per people like a wolverine that are supposed to have existed for hundreds of years would it not be easier to say okay secret wars boom all these places are going to war with each other and then uh the end result is that all of these long histories are valid you know you can have uh avengers uh the infinity saga side by side with um you know like wolverine uh, being 100 years old or uh, apocalypse being the first mutant some sort of cleaning up i think is is in store for for the mcu right now and maybe the secret wars is is their key to that maybe like i i don't know if they're gonna you know when they're gonna do something like secret wars like if they want to do something where you have 
different franchises <laughs> battling against one another. Because the excuse me, the, the you know the MCU's main franchise is the Avengers, obviously, right? Like, so when the X Men do show up, and I think it's a matter of when, not if. Like, okay, so this 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 you know this franchise in the comics and in live action that has so much weight and history to it. How are you gonna like? How's it gonna coexist with the Avengers franchise? Is it gonna take it over? And then we have to fold in the Fantastic Four, which doesn't have the kind of weight in live action that it does in the comics. But you know, you you, you know that it's something that is important to the to, to Marvel Studios that they want to make everything that they do successful, including like these different franchises that they eventually want to blend in, along with Spider Man. I I don't know, like I would if I'm Kevin Feige, I'm, I'd be want to like kind of explore Peter Parker as a character growing up as, as Tom Holland gets older, make, you know, Peter Parker an adult. I don't, I never want to see another thing where it's, Oh, he's back to being a kid again. I never want to see Spider-Man's origin ever again in, in a movie. No, we don't really need that unless it's like wildly different, but no, like I never want to see Batman's origin ever again. Just get, you know, like the, the beauty of like the Tim Burton movie, us, you know, and the only really good thing about that movie is the fact that it, we don't necessarily see his, it doesn't, it's not focused entirely on his origin. It's just like, he's Batman. He's been doing it for a while. Let's go. Let's keep going. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a bit of more information, since this is the first episode, we should talk about some of the creators here involved. And um, so the people who have been doing a lot of interviews this past week are uh, the writer and director of this project. And we'll start off with the director. Her name is Kate Heron. She has worked on Sex Education, which uh, I, is not a series I've seen, but, um, you know, clearly doing a fantastic job in this first episode with the way that the show looks, with the way that... Um, you know, I mean, the, the way she filmed and edited that particular scene of uh, Loki having to live through his, his entire life. Um, were you are you familiar with any of the work that she has done? Not not really. No, like but I, I'm what I like about like her and the other directors of the Disney Plus series is that they're going to direct every episode. And I think just adds this like uh, cohesiveness to each series. Like WandaVision was uh, Jack Schaefer directed every episode. Um, I forget her name, the director of Falcon and Winter Soldier. She directed every episode. Like they would get different writers for each episode, but they, the director is always the same person, which I think uh, Kate Heron is going to be doing every episode as well, which I think is great, but I'm not super familiar with her work uh, as opposed to like the, the, the writer, uh, Michael Walter. Right. Carrie Scoglin, by the way, was oh, the Scoglin, yes. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But yes, uh, Michael Waldron is the writer of this series. And uh, I suppose his most famous credit would be Rick and Morty, having written, um, I, I think, 10 episodes throughout one of their series. Uh, he's also worked on Community. Most interesting I've, I've found, though, of, of his credits is Heels on Stars. And if you uh, if that sounds familiar to, to you, uh, wrestling fans will know that as the uh, Stephen Amell project that is set to debut on Stars, and you know, in hearing, in hearing uh, Waldron in interviews, he revealed himself to not be a comic book nerd growing up. Uh, instead, his favorite nerd nerddom was pro wrestling. So, um, you know, that that might tell us a lot about maybe what we can expect um, in, in this. In particular, I listened to one interview today of him uh, on the Vanity Fair Still Watching podcast, which is a great podcast, which I recommend. And he talks about how um, what he loved about pro wrestling was the fact that there, there was um, lasting effect, you know, to characters' uh, motivations. It wasn't like the Power Rangers, which was the other uh, reference he gave in, in in this point, where he says, like, he, you, sometimes he would watch an episode of Power Rangers, and the next episode, it would feel like nothing would happen. Uh, but whereas he says, if Hulk Hogan turns heel, well, that will have lasting ramifications for um, the rest of his life. Now, I don't know if Michael Waldron keeps up with uh, modern-day uh, professional wrestling. Doesn't sound like it, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> he might have a very different opinion. But nonetheless, like, you know, he, this is a wrestling fan now in charge of a very uh, not only is he in charge of writing Loki. Apparently, Kevin Feige really liked this guy's work because he tapped him immediately off of this project as it was fin uh, still still in production to write the latest draft of Doctor Strange to the Multiverse of Madness, 
which, uh, you know, uh, for, for those of you who maybe are, are, are unfamiliar, that sh- that movie was originally to be directed by the, the movie of the last, sorry, the director of the original Doctor Strange. But after creative differences, uh, he left the project. Sam Raimi came in and they needed a new script. And they, he, you know, Kevin Feige must have really liked him because Michael Waldron will be the one responsible for writing that script. So you can potentially expect a lot of uh, bleed bleed over from this series to Doctor Strange too. I gotta also- imagine. Sorry, I gotta imagine no, part part of it is that like Kevin Feige must have loved how he used the multiverse in Loki, and it's like mm-hmm. you got the grasp of what I want to present this idea of the multiverse. Like it seems like the multiverse is the Infinity Stones of Phase Four, right? And then definitely, and then like maybe like Kang this character that we're supposed to get in the Ant-Man and Wasp movie is going to be the, the, you know, our Thanos maybe of this, of, of this phase. Um, but maybe like, you know, um, Waldron was just so great and articulated everything Kevin Feige wanted to see about the multiverse. He said, you're doing the multiverse of madness movie. Cause you understand it. And this is what I want from it. And then boom, because I think, I think that's how most of the scripts are written. Kevin Feige has, this is the idea I want make it come true to the writers and then they present the scripts like that's perfect let's go with that it must be must be something to that effect um not only did he get this guy to write the next doctor strange film kevin feige got this guy to write kevin feige's star wars movie um and i yeah some of you may not be familiar but kevin feige is set to produce his own star wars film not entire not uh based on on the you know any sort of like main episode but i believe it's just his own film that is part of that that universe and he got michael waldron to write it so this guy is very busy and man it's given me if anything i will say like all of this has made me a lot more excited for that heel show than i ever thought i would be because i I honestly wasn't probably even going to check it out, but um, you and uh, Brandon from New Jersey can review it. Is he a big? Uh, is he anticipating heels? Listen, that guy's always like, "Hey, maybe I can be on a show." I mean, hey, Brandon, if you're listening, that actually you are listening to this. It'll never happen on my watch, but hey, you know, hope lies eternal without with other people who work at post wrestling. Maybe Brendan and I can start a car review because um, he he was giving me uh, tips on how to fix my Civic today. So I wouldn't yeah. trust him with anything. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd take my car to him. Maybe I would. Um. So yeah, that's some of the information about the creators of this particular show so far. But it sounds like WH it gets your thumbs up. Episode one. Definitely. I'm I'm very excited about where this is going. I really want to explore the Time Variance Authority. I really want to see how Loki fits in with this organization. I really want to see what version of Loki we get at the end of this series. Let's get to some of your feedback. And if you're listening to this, whether or not you are a patron, uh, by the way, uh, we are releasing this for patrons a day ahead. But since this, this is episode one, we are going to release this one for everybody on the free feed a day later. So if you're listening to this on Saturday, you can get all of these episodes by signing up to the Post Wrestling Cafe at postwrestlingcafe.com. We start off with Barack from the UK who says, I really enjoyed this first episode. I was not aware of the Time Variance Authority, not having read the comics, but the amazing Jetson-style animation explained it all perfectly. The episode succeeds in setting out the aim of the series, taking down the variant Loki, which we did not get with the previous first episodes of WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No doubt there will be praise for Tom Hiddleston's performance and the emotional scene where Loki tells Mobius he kills people out of fear and has a bit of a cry. But... Let's discuss these characters in the MCU that we have grown to love for their charisma, despite them being hugely problematic. Loki murders Agent Coulson in the attempted genocide of Earth. Baron Zemo, a terrorist who blows up a building and murders King T'Chaka. Yondu, child trafficker and accessory to the murder of thousands of children. Does the fact that they are entertaining to watch on screen mean we should forget all the evil they have committed previously on our screens? I've often wrestled with this one. What do you think, WH? Um, they're all fictional characters, so it's fine. It's like, listen, like, you know, Kenny Omega ruined New Japan for me for several years, but he's in AEW now, so I'm okay with him now. 
But you still hate him, though. I do. I do still hate him, but I, he doesn't. He's not in any wrestling federation that I watch anymore, so it's okay. It's an interesting question, Barack, and um, one that I certainly, yeah, like I wouldn't extend this to a real life um, comparison. You know, if if anybody like Loki ha- has done what Loki has done uh, in real life, I don't think there is any forgiving that person, no matter how entertaining they were in a time cop um heist situation uh same with baron zemo you know somebody who kills a a leader of a peaceful nation i don't care how well you dance i don't care how funny you are on the dance floor i'm not gonna you know what was it are they really a peaceful nation they're you know they're they're not uh, setting wars on other other uh, you know they're just keeping them themselves wakanda yeah i would say they're peaceful sure well, you're saying he deserved it, no, WH? I just like to like throw out controversy out there. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, the it, because it's comics, it's like, hey, man. Ultimately, we need to get we need to like get to our matchups, right? Like, you have to make the heel very uh, villainous. You have to absolutely hate them. And how do you make us hate them by having them threaten genocide? <laughs> and then you want to keep making money so you turn them baby face and you know you just kind of have uh, a bit of selective memory about that genocide i, I can't wait for thanos to come back and be baby face it's gonna oh be awesome. are you kidding me he's already there for a lot of people he's, Top baby he's face thanos. listen in the comics when thanos is presented as the protagonist it's i love it i just think That's it's great. like don't don't go back to him being like the the bad guy again i like him much more as the guy who fights the bad guys anyways Brandon from Oshawa says, this was a great first episode. I'm a huge time travel nerd, so I'm definitely on board, and I expect this to be my favorite of the Disney Plus shows. I was a bit confused, though. If the Loki with the TVA is the one that vanished with the Tesseract, who is the one at the end supposed to be? Well, I think we're supposed to believe that that is another Loki from a different timeline, not the one who vanished from the Tesseract. I mean, this we're talking about multiple timelines, multiple Lokis, infinite Lokis, infinity Lokis, you know? I think this is also going to play into the what if series when that eventually, you know, comes about. We're going to probably because we're going to look at different timelines, like variant timelines, multi part of the multiverse you, through the eyes of you, you, you out the, the, the watcher. So it's 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 this this multiverse theme is like just the the overall, you know, like story device that we're going to be exploring for the next two years. It really is brilliant. And maybe let's just take a step back from the feedback just to kind of, again, give like Marvel, Marvel Studios their props. Because like, how do you top, you know, this like 10 year arc circling around these Infinity Stones? And I feel like this concept of like the multiverse, we've only seen small glimpses of it, you know, in these Disney Plus shows. Um, But I feel like they've done a great job of making me already very interested to see how all of these pieces are going to fit together into what will, you know, be the the end game maybe five years from now. Yeah. Like that's the great thing is like, you know, that Marvel has a plan to dovetail all the movies into like a one massive, like two part movie. Maybe it's going to be a three part movie for this phase, four part movie, who knows, but you know, like we don't know where that, what that is right now. We know that we're, we're starting we're at the start of it with the shows and the new movies that are coming out, including Black Widow, including Shang-Chi, including the Eternals and like mixed in with what's happening on Disney plus. Like it's I, for as a fan, I think it's really exciting to see like, wow, the, the groundwork is being laid for what, I don't know, but I'm excited to see what it is. Hey, what did you think of the Eternals trailer? Oh yeah. I, I, I thought it was like a Benetton ad. It, it kind of had that vibe, sure. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, I didn't think it really told us too much about, like, what this movie is going to be about, which is good. Like, I'd rather go in, like, with fresh eyes and not have things spoiled for me. But I, I like the fact that it's very, very much playing of the fact that we have pretty diverse cast in terms of people's ethnicities and, and different, you know, a nice balance of genders in, in the show. So, like, I'm really excited to see what, the story of this movie actually is being so familiar with the comic book characters. See, I'm not familiar with the comic book characters. Um, and I'm like going into this completely cold and I kind of want to ha- like stay that way. Like I, 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 you know, when this thing is released, I, I'm hoping I know nothing about it. 
and just, you know, see if I can let the movie speak for itself. I mean, at this point, Marvel knows that most of you guys are probably going to be in simply because it's a Marvel show. You slap, slap that label on. I'm most interested in seeing how Chloe Zhao is going to handle an MCU project. I mean, the buzz going around is that this is like one of Marvel's best films. Um, it's The buzz is going around that this could potentially be an Oscar contender. And of course, Chloe Zhao is the defending best director on the planet, having won for Nomadland uh, this past year. So um, I'm just excited for that. Well, it looks like she has more of a more of a James Gunn type relationship with Marvel than a Edgar Wright type of relationship with Marvel. And that's a good thing. Yes, it is a good thing. We go to PJ River who says, "I'm just going to say that I loved it. I love the pacing and the characters. I usually love Owen Wilson. Big sci-fi fan. Good callback to the Stargate Sliders types of shows. Yes, Scrump." Initially, this was a show I was least least looking forward to. I loved the character of Loki and felt him sacrificing himself for Thor in the opening minutes of Infinity War to be beautiful. Then when they announced his own spinoff, I felt like it was just a cash grab and I'm so happy to be wrong. I love the multiverse being introduced and how Loki fits into it. Owen Wilson's introduction into the MCU is a fun one as he seemingly fits right in with the aesthetic of the TVA and the aesthetic of the TVA is visually stunning. Question. With rumors of the next Avengers movie adapting the Secret Wars comic from 2015, will Loki have a second chance at returning to the MCU proper now that he's a changed man? I hope not, WH. Like, I'm happy to see this. I'm happy to see this series. I'm happy to see more of Tom Hiddleston as Loki, but this series has to end with him dying. Because I'm just, I'm sick of like, or at least returning to his timeline never to be seen again. Because like, it's, 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 it really is already a bit of a joke, right? How many times can somebody die and then come back? It's it's comics way. It's like, you know, it happens all the time. Like every time they kill a character in the comics, oh, you know, that, Super Superman's going to get die in this next story arc. No, he's not. He's going to be why gone nobody, for the arc, you know. That's why nobody gives a shit anymore about like deaths in comics. Yeah, you I mean, know? no one's going to give a shit about deaths in comic movies either. Like if if Loki, I aren't they already talking about doing a second series? Of I believe Loki? so. That, so, that the rumored. But yeah. if he's like an agent of the time, like if he becomes like the Marvel Universe version of fucking Doctor Who, like where he's just time traveling and trying to fix shit, like throughout timelines, okay. And he never meets, you know, the mainstream Marvel heroes ever again. Like he's like in the shadows and he like helps them, but they never see him. I'd be okay with that as well. I I see what your point is and I agree with it, but at the same time, I don't really care that much if he comes back to the MCU proper as well. (laughs) Cause it's like, it's anything related to comic books. I don't take that seriously, to be honest with you. Like if they brought back, you know, Natasha, Scarlett Johansson as a black widow and brought her back to life. I would be fucking happy about that. Stipulations matter. WH. All right, loser leaves town. It can't come back. You know, it can't be a female version of that that wrestler coming back to town. No, it doesn't work like that. Imagine if it was not Mr. America, but it was Miss America. That would have been funny. (laughs) That would be great. The only way I would be excited about Hulk Hogan uh, return. Finally, we got a mug in from Ottawa who says, Loki's off to a strong start. I was right at home with Hiddleston's return to a less reformed version of the titular character. The introduction to the TV was neat, and it's such a big deal to hear Tara Strong play Miss Minutes. Owen Wilson was terrific, and the settings look fantastic. I also love the scene where Loki binge-watched his entire arc from the first Thor to film to Infinity War. As it felt, as it felt very, this is your life, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if there was like a Disney Plus logo, like, when he was watching that film? <laughs> that would have been great. Or if there's like a little Mickey Mouse, like dressed as the character yeah. from Fantasia, that would have been great too. Of course, yeah. Um. Anyway, were there any things? Oh, do you have any comic recommendations? I have three, actually. Whoa. Yes. Should, oh, should I get to them? Okay, so the yes, first one is called Loki, Agent of Asgard, the complete collection written by Al Ewing. It's kind of the similar concept to what we're seeing in the TV show, except he's not working for the TVA. He's working for his mother, Frigga, as kind of like a one-person secret service in 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 uh, in service to Asgard to to protect Asgard from covert threats 
to the, the realm eternal. So that's kind of like the similar idea to what we're seeing here in, in the Loki TV show, but just not for the TVA. But if you want to know more about the TVA in comics, then I recommend uh, two collections uh, involving the Fantastic Four. One is called Fantastic Four Epic Collection Into the Time Stream. This is the introduction of the TVA uh, kind of after, it's like their second appearance after they're introduced in, in an issue of Thor by Walt Simonson, who also is the writer and uh, for the most part, artists of this run of the Fantastic Four. So it collects Fantastic Four number 334 to 346, which are like kind of pivotal episodes of the Time Variance Authority here. And then, then the one after that is called Fantastic Four Epic Collection, the new Fantastic Four, which uh, collects Fantastic Four 347 to 361. And this actually has a great storyline drawn by Arthur Adams, one of my favorite comic artists from all time, uh, introducing the new Fantastic Four of Spider-Man, the Grey Hulk, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider. If you ever never read that version of the Fantastic Four, it's kind of fun. It doesn't make any sense, those four characters working together, but it's kind of fun. It's just basically a cash grab, but it's a fun cash grab. I recommend it highly. There you have it, everybody. You got your uh, assignment, and uh, pick, them, pick them all up. If you need uh, some of those titles, again, they are all in the show notes at postwrestling.com. Some sometimes like they're also is they should be in your podcast app, but like every app displays the the notes differently. So if you want to just see them in perfect um, HTML, go to postwrestling.com for that. Were there any other things that are on your mind, WH? It's been a while since we've uh, caught up with you. So uh, what are you up to lately? Uh, so I've gotten my first shot. Uh, I'm just waiting to hopefully move up the date of my second shot, so I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, I feel that way. I feel even more anxious about getting fully vaccinated because we we are opening work up to the public, or as I like to call them, the the wildlings, the ferals. They're they're going to be allowed into the store to shop. But um, you know, like our store capacity is like twenty five people, and <laughs> and so I imagine the line outside to get into the store is going to be super insane. So that's going to be interesting to see how that folds out over the, the course of the next week or so. Oh man. WH, have you enjoyed the 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 time? Um, I guess away away from the 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 creatures, the the ferals. No, like this is my second time. This is my second lockdown. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. in just in November we were locked down, then we reopened, and then we got locked down right before away. You know, again. So I no because like honestly, it's not a sustainable business model. You know, to be mm, yeah. to do only curbside pickup when you're making you know like a tenth what you'd normally make a day it's not and you can't keep like you know you can't pay the employees i don't want anyone to lose their job including myself so no i i let's reopen the store and let let's people in i think we're we're gonna do very well money wise you know like but it'll be great when we're out of this entirely and like we can let people in as many people as possible and like i don't have to wear a mask all the time you know (laughs) except when i'm on the train i'm still probably gonna wear a mask on the subway because like that's just disgusting to be on one of those in general so uh it, i i i probably might do the same yeah i mean to be honest like especially in the winter i just i just like it like it just keeps me warm it does keep you warm it keeps you know? your moist your mouth moist like one of my big problems is like i have dry skin and like yeah you know your lips get chapped like i i always carry you know lip balm with me but like that mask helps a lot for like just keeping your your face moist and like i'm also somebody who's like a very awkward smiler like sometimes i have to um like if i see my neighbor it's like you know like i have neighbors that i talk to but then i have like the other set of neighbors who i I never talk to who we just make eye contact and sometimes i like i have to give an awkward smile and my awkward smile is just like really bad so like if i have a mask on it's just like i have an excuse to to not do it well i'm glad you said that because like that's something i've always noticed about you and just <laughs> you know i just didn't know how to bring it up but because i sometimes like we'll talk you'll smile and i'm like did he think that was funny what i just said or is he just humoring me i don't know uh with uwh it's always genuine I, I genuinely find you to be a very hilarious person and uh you know what whenever it's I, i'm ready i'm going to definitely drop by the bnb it's a place i've missed i highly encourage everybody to if you're in the toronto area go to the bnb on Bloor, buy a comic book buy any sort of book 
Listen, uh, you, you, you're friends with the manager of the store. Like, if you want to do a little private shopping, I'm sure if you send him a DM, he could probably arrange that for you. Is that right? Okay. Uh, well, maybe maybe I'll I'll have to do that. It's been a while since I've seen the both of you, so maybe uh you know if it, maybe we'll even meet some postmarks that, that are out there. So again, if you're listening to this, make sure you go to the BNB on floor. First of all, wear your mask, sanitize. And say hi to the man himself. Uh, don't don't say hi to me. I don't want to know who you are. Like, don't. Hey, are you WH Park? Don't say that to me. I will like just bury you on the next episode of whatever show I do. Okay, then maybe show up in the most ugly clothes that you own, so that WH will notice you. You won't even have to say hi, because um, the radar is strong on this man. If you're Eric Marcote Marcoche visiting from fucking Nickeland where in Ontario I forget the fucking place where you're from Sudbury it, 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 Sudbury right if you come up to me and say I'm Eric Marcote Marcotte Marcoche I, th- I think it looks French so I'm calling you Eric Marcoche just so you know like I don't want to know if you're at a post wrestling like get together that's fine don't come to my work and introduce yourself because I was just like oh god one of you Ugh. He, he plays hard to get everybody but you know deep down you know he is he 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 is using fear and intimidation because it's how he likes to control people. It's it's true. It is true. The only people I acknowledge, Dan the Mouth Lavransky, John Pollock, yourself, and maybe like Jesse from the six. Maybe if he's getting over the loss of his loser choker, Maple Leafs again this year. I laughed at that by the way, just so everyone knows out there. But he, they maybe that's the only group of people from the post wrestling universe that I would acknowledge in in real life at my work. That's it. Wow, happy to be on that VIP list. Well, thank you, WH. Uh, I, you know, I've honestly, genuinely missed having these conversations with you every week. So I look forward to speaking to you every Thursday exclusively for patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Think about signing up, everybody. It is still towards the beginning of the month. You really sign up at any time of the month. You get our access to all of our archives, including all of our editions of MCU Later, talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Uh, me and John, we've done reviews of every single MCU film that are out there in the archives. In addition to that, Rewind Away, Rewind a Smackdown, Ask Away, New Japan Pro Wrestling Reviews, and access to the forum. Uh, just my... My firstborn child, I'm sure, I'm going to be giving up uh, some access to, you know, Post Wrestling Cafe patrons. So we give all we can here to all of you. Um, so any last words, WH? I can't wait for you and John to do your next combat sports uh, review on the series of Undisputed Movies. That, that'll that be fantastic. <laughs> Undisputed Movies? What do you mean? You don't know about the Undisputed series? No, starring starring the awesome Scott Adkins. It's like these, like, these underground, like, uh fighting you know things set in prisons it's awesome they're great movies fantastic look them up mm. brandon from new jersey's like yes i love those movies well, perhaps that'll be his next pick uh, and which we will promptly shoot down so thank you everybody for listening until next time mcu later